You can find a seat today, and we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Joshua today. Joshua chapter number four. Joshua chapter four is where we're going to be today. And we've been in a series the last several weeks that we're calling Built to be Brave. And this study is in the book of Joshua, and we're learning about how we can have spiritual courage from the pages of scripture and we need courage more than ever in the day in which we are living to stand for the truth of God's word and so today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 4 and we're going to start reading in verse number 1 if you don't have a Bible there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you and I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open and ready today as we will refer back to these verses often Joshua 4 verse number 1 the Bible says this and it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying take you 12 men out of the people out of every tribe a man and command you them saying take you hence out of the midst of Jordan out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm 12 stones and you shall carry them over the place with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you upon every man a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What? mean ye by these stones then ye shall answer them that the waters of jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the lord when it passed over jordan the waters of jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of israel forever today i want to speak for a few minutes to this subject stacking stones stacking stones let's have a word of prayer together this morning father thank you so much for this day that you've given us and God, thank you for this time that we've been able to come together and to worship you through song and through our generosity and giving. And now, Lord, I pray that we would worship you uh, through the learning of your word. And God, I pray that we would uh, have a holy focus and attention today on your word and that we would be able to learn exactly what it is that your word is teaching us today and that we would apply these truths to our lives. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said this morning... How many of you have ever forgotten something very important? Can I see your hands? You forgot something very important. I remember when Kate and I first got married, we were getting ready to go on vacation with my family, and we were driving to the airport with my brother-in-law, Peter, and my sister, Danielle. And we got in the car, and we went to the airport, and we were unloading our bags there at LAX. And as we were unloading our bags, my sister, Danielle, said to her husband, Peter, uh, where are our bags? And he said, they're in the trunk. And she said, no, they're not. And sure enough, they had forgotten their bags in the driveway of their home. And they had to go to Target and buy all new clothes and toiletries. And I think maybe that was Danielle's plan all along to go make that Target trip. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the reality is, is all of us in life can have moments where we are 
forgetful. In fact, according to the famous Ebbinghaus study, the forgetting curve, that study that was done, says that 40 to 50% of everything that we learn will be forgotten within 20 minutes of learning it. Now, that's not very encouraging for me as I preach this sermon today, knowing that by the time you're eating lunch today, this sermon is going to be a long-distant memory. And uh, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress just refused to write down your order? They just wanted to commit it to memory. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know at Cracker Barrel how, how they have the, uh, the stars on their aprons? You know what I'm talking about? That represents the one star, the up to five stars, how long that they've worked there. And I don't want to be judgmental, but whenever I get a one star, I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, I got a one star coming in. And, uh, and, you know, if they are just trying to commit my order to memory, I appreciate and applaud the effort, but it would make everyone more comfortable if you were just to write it down, right? And uh, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. And uh, sometimes... Uh, we can struggle in life to uh, remember pertinent details and to remember important things. You know, forgetfulness in life can be frustrating, but I believe that spiritual forgetfulness can be fatal. When we forget how good God has been to us, when we forget his faithfulness, when we forget the blessings of God, when we forget the instructions that God has given us, when we forget the assignment that God has given us, we have this natural proclivity as human beings to forget God. That is why all throughout Scripture, time and time again, we are reminded to remember God's goodness and to remember God's faithfulness and his grace and love and mercy for us. In fact, uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 9, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to forget that we are sitting and standing in a miracle this morning and that God is doing a great work in the midst of our church. And I don't want to lose sight of the goodness and the blessings of God. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen unless they depart from the heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. One of the greatest enemies of your faithfulness is your forgetfulness. And today we have to take a look within and ask, how can I make sure that I am keeping God's goodness and God's word in front of me, lest I forget? You know, one of the, one of the core values that we have as a church is we pause to praise. We want to make sure that we're not just submitting the prayer requests, but that we're filling out the praise reports. And we're thanking God for the answered prayers, and we're thanking God for uh, the goodness in our lives. And so we are going to pause and praise. I, I wonder, when was the last time in your life that you truly paused to praise, that you paused to praise him and thank him for uh, what he has done in your life. Now, we come to Joshua chapter 4, and the children of Israel were standing in the middle of a miracle. In fact, they had just experienced a great miracle from God. Uh, two million people crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground into the promised land that God had for them. This was an amazing moment. Uh, but God in this moment is going to uh, remind them and going to tell them before they move on, before we get to the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, before we get on to the next battle, he's going to tell them in this moment to pause and to set up this memorial, to stack these 12 stones as a memorial so that they would remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Because what God knew is, right now, everyone's on a spiritual high. Everyone's high-fiving each other. Did you see that? That was amazing. That was awesome. Everyone was smiling, having a great time. But God knew that the excitement would dwindle that the adrenaline rush would come down, that the busyness of their schedules would pick up, that soccer season would come in full swing, 
God knew that there would be a time when they would be tempted to forget the miracle that they had just witnessed. And so God says, before you move on, I want you to establish this memorial. I want you to stack these 12 stones so that you will remember my goodness and my faithfulness. This is what I believe. I believe often in life we are struggling spiritually because we have not learned the art and the principle of stacking stones. You know one of the reasons why we come together on a Sunday morning just like this? is so that we can remember and sing about his goodness and his faithfulness like we did today. Uh, you know why we participate in communion and the Lord's Supper? This do in remembrance of me. Why? We should not lose sight of the cross of Jesus Christ. We should not lose sight of the empty tomb. We should not lose sight of the fact that we are just sinners in need of a Savior. And apart from his love and his grace, that we are just sinners on our way to a terrible place called hell. But aren't you thankful that Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life and went to the cross to die in your place and in my place so that we could have a home in heaven for ever hey we ought never to forget it and so Joshua is going to instruct the people on how to stack stones and what I believe today as we look to Joshua chapter 4 is that we can learn some biblical principles today about the art of stacking stones and I want to give us four ways that we can do this this morning if you're taking notes today number one is this we have to embrace the power of collaboration embrace the power of collaboration now, let's pick up the text in verse number one. If you're with me today, would you say amen? amen? Verse number one. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that, that they had passed through, they are now entering into the promised land, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe. Everybody say every tribe. Every tribe of man. And command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, so out of the middle of the Jordan River that was still dried up in this moment in time, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. If you were here last week, you remember the priests that were holding the Ark of the Covenant were, were standing firm on that dry ground while all the two million people or, or so of the children of Israel were passing over. So he says, go to that place and grab 12 stones and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. And Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you up every man a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And so there's this emphasis that's repeated in verses 1 through 5 that in order to establish this memorial that there needed to be 12 stones and there needed to be one man from every tribe. And the idea here was that this was a reminder that they were in this journey together. That they needed every tribe to be represented. Now, not all the 12 tribes of Israel were the same size. Some tribes were smaller. Uh, some tribes were seemingly more insignificant or seemingly more significant. The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh were seemingly more significant. There were tribes that were seemingly on the outskirts, such as the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. But here is the idea that they were all to go and they were to grab a stone together, that they were to move forward in collaboration, that they were in this journey conquering the promised land together uh, as the people of Israel. Here's what I believe, that as the church today, that God has called us not to move forward in isolation, but that God has called us to move forward in collaboration, that he wants us to strive together uh, for the faith of the gospel. We have to remember today that no, not only are we stacking stones, but the Bible says in the New Testament that we are actually living stones. 
The Bible says this in 1 Peter 2, verse number 5. You also, as lively stones, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so we are living stones that comprise the house of God. And every brick in God's house is important. And so we have to remember today that if we are going to be victorious in the promised land that God has for us, if we are going to be spiritually courageous in 2023 in the culture in which we are living, then we must embrace the power of collaboration and doing the will of God and the work of God together in unity in in harmony. Uh, Jonathan Edwards said this, a man of a right spirit is not a man of a narrow and private view, but is greatly interested and concerned for the good of the community to which he belongs, and particularly of the city or the village in which he resides, and for the true welfare of the society of which he is a member. What is he saying? He's saying it's not just so much about my needs and my concerns and my wants and my thoughts and my desires. How can I be a blessing to other people? How can I partner with my brothers and sisters in Christ to help them and and to help the body of Christ move forward? Philippians 2.4 says that says, let not every man think on his own things, but let every man think on the things of others. We have to consider other people. I'm thankful that when it comes to the body of Christ, that every member in the church has unique uh, abilities and skill sets that can be used for God's glory. So sometimes we can get frustrated because not everyone is just like us. And not everybody thinks like me. We can be frustrated. Uh, but by the way, if everyone in the church was just like you, what kind of church would we have? If everyone was just as passionate about reaching the lost as you are, if everyone was just as passionate about serving as you are, If everyone was just as passionate about uh, spiritual community as you are, what kind of church would we have? And sometimes we can get frustrated because not everyone is like us, but we have to remember that God has called us to move forward in a spirit of unity and collaboration. And we have to remember not to to unintentionally set up uh, this, this hierarchy of importance in our own minds of certain tribes and sects and certain classes of individuals. Can I just remind you today that the ground is level at the cross? And can I remind you that we are all sinners in need of a Savior? And can I remind you that when we get to heaven, there will be people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, all surrendered under the banner of Jesus Christ. And so when we move forward into the calling that God has for us, we embrace the power of collaboration that I'm not going to walk forward in isolation or individualism, but I'm going to work together in spiritual community. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 says this, but now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And so we have to remember that every member of the body is significant. And just because something is not prominent does not mean that it's not significant. And so we have to move forward in the spirit of collaboration. Uh, Here is the second thought today, number two from the text. Not only do we embrace the power of collaboration, but number two, we establish the priority of appreciation. Now, why did God want them to construct this memorial, these 12 stones? Well, he wanted them to do it so they wouldn't forget, right? We are forgetful people. You need to be reminded about what God did. But he also wanted the people to activate their appreciation, to move forward with the spirit of gratitude, not a sense of entitlement. But, man, we are so grateful for the good things that God has done in our lives. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing shouts 
uh, immaturity, spiritual immaturity, louder than ingratitude. When we are not thankful for what God has done in our lives, when we're not counting our blessings, and when we're not remembering that the Bible says in Psalms that we are daily loaded with benefits, that God's been so good to us. G.K. Chesterton said this, when it comes to the critical thing, or excuse me, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And we have to recognize today that God wants us to move forward, uh, establishing the priority of appreciation. Now, if we do this, are you with me today? If we do this, it will do two things that I see in the text. First, it will impact the next generation. It will impact the next generation. Notice our text in verse number six. The Bible says this, that this may be a sign among you, these 12 stones. By the way, these 12 stones, the Bible says in Exodus that they were to not use any tools. Uh, to use tools was indicating that they were forming or shaping an idol. This was not an idol to be worshipped. This was a memorial to be a reminder of the God that they worshipped. And so uh, as these 12 stones were being stacked, it would be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones that you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan? The waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children. Everybody say the children of, of the children of Israel forever. There will come a day when your children will come, Joshua says, and they will ask mom, dad, what are these stones all about? And this will be an opportunity for you to teach the next generation about the goodness and faithfulness of God. Now, please hear me today. If you are a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a leader in some regard, the enemy wants nothing more than to indoctrinate your children. As we consider the landscape of our culture today, whether it's faith deconstruction, whether it's gender ideology, whether it's social media, the enemy has your children in his crosshairs, and he wants nothing more than to dismantle the truth in their lives. I was reading recently that, according to Pew Research, the number one influence amongst teenagers today, number one, now remember, uh, 30, 40 years ago, the number one answer by far was parents. But today, the number one influence amongst teenagers by far is social media. And amongst social media users, the most frequently used social media app is YouTube. Some 87% of teenagers frequently watch YouTube. Can I tell you today that tragically YouTube is training and raising up the next generation? And we have to recognize today that God is calling us to stack stones. He is calling us to point the next generation to the truth of God's word. And to not only teach them the what, but to teach them the why behind the what. We have many people that are saying, here's what to do. But teenagers are getting frustrated because they don't understand why they're supposed to do uh, these things that we are asking of them. And what we need is some parents and some leaders and some teachers to point them to the stones, to point them to the truth of God's word and say, this is why. Because God is good. He's not against you. He is for you. He has a great plan for your life. He has a good design for your life. And when you follow his design, it leads to flourishing. And so this will impact the next generation. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. We have a responsibility to passionately and diligently teach the truth of God's word to the next generation and shall 
talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. I want to do my absolute best as a father and as a parent to constantly and diligently teach truth to my children uh, so that they will know what they believe and why they believe it. This is our responsibility. And so to point the truth of God's word to the next generation. And so notice verse number eight. Uh, Notice uh, in our text what they do. Verse eight. And the children of Israel did so. And so they walked in obedience. Joshua said, hey, build this memorial so that you can teach the next generation. And they did it. And as Joshua commanded, they took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones. Watch this, verse number 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Now, is not verse number 9 a fascinating verse? Because they already constructed the 12 stone memorial on the west side of Jordan. And Joshua, in verse number 9, sets up another memorial. Did you catch that? Interesting. He, he sets up a second memorial. Not only that, did you notice where he sets up and establishes the second memorial? Where did he do it? In the midst, in the middle of the Jordan River where the priests were holding the ark, where they stood firm. Now, why did he do that? Remember, this was right, they they were still experiencing the miracle. If you were here last week, we saw that the Lord stopped the waters up to 20 miles. They were walking over on dry ground. They were standing firm in dry ground. And what Joshua did was he takes 12 more stones and he goes and he puts them in the middle of the Jordan River while the miracle is still taking place. Which doesn't make a whole lot of human sense because when the miracle ceased and when the waters would come rushing back in, you would not even be able to see that memorial that Joshua had just set up. And so what is Joshua doing in verse number 9 when he sets up this second memorial? We're not told exactly why. Some commentators have different thoughts on this. Warren Wiersbe says this about this passage. He says, The monument in the depths of the river reminded them that their old life was buried and they were now to walk in the newness of life. I think it's fascinating that one memorial was public And one memorial was private. It's one thing to take a stand for God publicly. That's a good thing. But the question that I have for us today is, are you willing to worship God privately when no one else will see? See, there would come a time when those children would ask their parents, Mom, Dad, what are the meaning of these 12 stones that we see on the the west side of Jordan here? And the parents would say, well, Susan, you know, little, that's not a Bible name. Maybe, well, little Rebecca, (laughs) the reason for that is because of God's faithfulness. And also, Rebecca, you might not know, but there are also 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan River. You can't see it. Joshua set them up around the same time when the miracle was still taking place. It was an amazing thing uh, to watch, and Joshua set those things up. And, you know, it's a reminder that God is always working even when you can't see it, and that God is still faithful even when you can't see it. And just because his plans are not visible does not mean that his promises are not reliable. And we can trust him in life even when we can't see how God is working. Sometimes God will do his greatest work beneath the surface. Joshua sets up this public memorial. He sets up this private uh, memorial reminding us that, that God is always working even if we can't see it, even if we can't make sense of it. But what is he doing? He's training the next uh, generation. Uh, we live in a very uh, external focused culture, right? Uh, everything is cosmetic. Everything is superficial and on a surface level. And uh, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. 
Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair and the wearing of the gold or the putting on of apparel. Uh, Everything is external and the beautification of external appearances. But he says this, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. And so in a cosmetic culture where everything is external, God says, I care about the condition of your heart, even when no one else can see it. I know the condition of your heart. And so this will impact the next generation when we're transferring truth to them. But also it will impact this generation. Uh, Notice verse number 24 of our text. Are you with me? Skip to the end of the chapter, end of chapter 4. And the last verse, verse number 24, says this. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Do you believe that today? That you might fear the Lord your God forever. He says, hey, I want you to establish this memorial, not only to teach the next generation, but so that all the world may know. I want you to know today that I have a burden for the next generation. I have a burden for uh, Rock Hill Kids Ministry. I'm so thankful, like Jen said, that we've had uh, children pray to accept Christ over the last several weeks. I'm so thankful for Rock Hill Youth Culture, and I'm thankful for our youth leaders, and I'm thankful for uh, training up the next generation. I have a burden for the next generation. I want to see the next generation reach with the gospel, but I I want you to know today that I also have a burden for this generation. I believe that there are still people in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in your family that need to know about the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And he says, hey, establish this memorial so that all the world may know. The Bible says this in Psalm 96, verse number three, declare his glory. Can I remind you, you were not created for your own glory. You were created to declare his glory. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Uh, This is why on your seat today when you came in, there's a little invite. And I want to encourage you to utilize that invite because we have a calling to declare his glory among the heathen, to declare his glory among the nations. And I want to encourage you to use that as a tool uh, this week to go and to invite someone else and be a bringer and bring someone with you to church next week. This is the mission, the assignment that God has given us, and we cannot afford to forget it. Now, this leads us to our third thought today. Number three is this, if you're taking notes. We have to expect more battles on the horizon. Now, all this is taking place, and I can imagine it's kind of sentimental. I can imagine, you know, if this was a movie, this is all taking place in slow motion, right? Like they're carrying the stones, and they're slow music, and it's sentimental, it's special, it's powerful. And this is a special spiritual moment for the children of Israel. But meanwhile, while all this is taking place, guess who's watching the whole ordeal? Jericho. Notice verse number 12. And the children of Reuben... And the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. If you remember in week number one of this study, we learned that those were the two and a half tribes that requested to stay and to settle on the east side of Jordan. Moses, before he died, said, you can do that, but you still have to go over and help fight, and you still have to go over and help conquer the promised land. Then you can go back and settle on the east side of Jordan. Uh, Those were the two and a half tribes. And so, uh, verse number 13, about 40,000 prepared for war 
passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. And so while all this is taking place and they're establishing the memorial and they're stacking stones, uh, there are two and a half tribes that are getting ready for battle. They recognize this is not the time to let our guard down. We have to recognize that, yes, we're remembering God's good goodness and his faithfulness, but we're also looking ahead and remembering that the enemy still wants to attack us and still wants to destroy us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And we cannot forget this reality today, that the, that the devil uh, wants to devour and to destroy. Ephesians 6, verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, today, we have to recognize that spiritual warfare is very real. And spiritual warfare comes in all different shapes and sizes. It could be an addiction to sin that you are battling to get victory and freedom over. It could come by way of relational conflict. It could come by way of temptation. It could come by way of a financial struggle that is holding on to you. Uh, it could come by way of anxiety and the thoughts that are in your mind. And the spiritual warfare is a very real thing. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, The trumpet still plays the notes of war. You cannot sit down and put the victory wreath on your head. And this is what I want us to see, that even though they were setting up this memorial, uh, they weren't just letting their guard down. Uh, they were remembering God's faithfulness, but they were looking ahead to the battle. You do not have a crown. You must wear the helmet and carry the sword. You must watch, pray, and fight. Expect your last battle to be the most difficult, for the enemy's fiercest charge is reserved for the end of the day. And so if you want to win the battle, you have to be ready for the battle. Spiritual victory is not about your level of passion. It's about your level of preparation. Because you can be very passionate, you can be very intentional, but intentionality without preparation is nothing more than wishful thinking. We have to be ready for the battle at hand, anticipate the trial uh, that we are not yet in. And so this is what uh, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh are doing. They're looking ahead, 40,000 of them, and they're sharpening their swords, getting ready for the battle that's on the horizon. Now, this is going to lead us to our fourth and final thought today. You have one more in you? Yes. Number four is this. We have to learn to enjoy the blessings of Gilgal. As we close today, I want us to see that if we're going to stack stones and remember God's faithfulness, and we're going to live with spiritual courage, we have to enjoy the blessings of Gilgal. I want you to see it starting in verse number 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal, in the east border of Jericho. You still with me today? Verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan, did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now, you might be thinking, okay, verse 19, 20, we already knew that. You might be thinking, we, we already knew that they established the 12 stones. We talked about this. But this is the first time in the text that we are given the name of the place where they set the stones. The name of the place is Gilgal. Now, this would be significant for the children of Israel to be settling, finally, in Gilgal. This would become a prominent place in redemptive history. Uh, Gilgal would become somewhat of a headquarters for Joshua in his cam military campaigns. Much like the headquarters for Jesus in his earthly ministry was Capernaum, and uh, he would kind of base his camp uh, out of there in his earthly ministry. 
Joshua's headquarters was Gilgal. This was a prominent, significant place. And I think it's interesting that the name Gilgal, let me see that ball, Dan. The name Gilgal means, you ready for it? It means to roll. I brought a ball just to illustrate it, okay. (laughs) To roll. Gilgal, that's what it means. Now, this would have a prominent meaning for the children of Israel because you need to know in context that the people of God and the children of Israel carried with them a certain stigma upon their exodus from Egypt. They carried with them a certain shame upon their exodus from Egypt. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They remembered the pain and the suffering that they experienced in Egypt. They remembered when Pharaoh tried to murder all the Hebrew boys. They remembered when they were required in force to make brick without straw. They remembered the pain and the suffering and the shame and the stigma that was attached to them as they wandered out of Egypt. For 400 years they were in Egypt. Then for the next 40 years they were wandering around in the wilderness. And then they finally cross over the Jordan River and they finally settle in Gilgal to roll. To roll away. Now, the Bible gives us such a great encouragement in the next chapter. And I want you to see it. Chapter 5, verse number 9. The Bible says this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. I know that you have the shame of your past in Egypt. I know that there has been a stigma from your sin that has been placed upon you. I know that that 400 years you carried with you that reproach from the suffering and the pain of Egypt. But I want you to know that now I have brought you to Gilgal and that shame has been rolled away and that reproach has been rolled away and the pain and the stigma of your past mistakes has now been rolled away all because of the wonderful, matchless, beautiful grace of our God. Aren't you thankful today for Gilgal to be rolled away? This stone reminds us These stones, these 12 stones remind us of another stone 1,300 years later in Israel. A stone that was so heavy that the soldiers couldn't move it. A stone that was so thick that it couldn't be budged. That was the stone that covered the empty tomb. But I'm so thankful that three days later, that stone too has been rolled away. I'm so thankful because that stone has been rolled away, that your shame has been rolled away, and that your sin has been rolled away, and that you have been given new life in Jesus Christ. Your old life has been rolled away. And today we have to remember the beautiful grace and the mercy of God to give us a new beginning. As they finally settled there in Gilgal, they finally got to experience rest and they can enjoy a new beginning. And God says, I want you to know your reproach from Egypt has been rolled away. So name the place Gilgal. You know, they were tired. They were tired. 400 years is a long time. 40 years in the wilderness is a long time. They were exhausted and now they could finally enjoy the rest of Gilgal. Maybe today you're tired. Maybe you are exhausted at the constant bickering in your home. Maybe you're tired of the relational struggle. Maybe you're tired of the doctor's visits. 
Maybe you're tired of the constant reminders of past regrets that you might have. Maybe you are tired today, and I want you to know that Jesus says that if you are weary and heavy laden, he says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And maybe today you've been striving and conniving and manipulating and trying in your own strength. And maybe today you need to be reminded about the goodness and the faithfulness and the grace of God and to stack some stones in your life. Maybe that means starting a prayer journal and just writing down all the blessings that God has bestowed upon you. But maybe God is calling you to stack stones and to be reminded of his faithfulness and find rest in Gilgal. Find rest in the beauty of his grace. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.